Well, in this passage, we see that uh, there is a lame man that was hopeful. And there were some religious folks in this passage that were hopeless. Now, speaking of hope and hopeless, we all sometimes have hopes and dreams, do we not? Well, there was a pastor that was walking down the street one day when he noticed a small little boy trying to stretch as high as he could to ring the doorbell. So that pastor felt sorry for the little kid, so he walks up to the little kid and says, Okay, I see that you're serving. Can I help you, little boy? He goes, Yeah, I'm trying to ring the doorbell. Can you give me a lift? So he says, Sure, I can. So he takes his precious little boy and lifts the little boy up, and he rings the doorbell, and the pastor says, Now what? And the little boy goes, Run! So the pastor was hoping that he was helping somebody when actually he was probably playing part of a prank. But, you know, hope is a funny thing, is it not? What brings hope to one person may not be the same thing that brings hope to another person. C.K. Chesterton talks about hope this way. He says, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is a mere flattery or a platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. When everything is hopeless, that is where we need to find hope. Because when things are going well, it's, it's just not present. So to find hope in a hopeless situation, we pick up our story. As we pick it up today in John, we see Jesus is coming out of the shadows. The first couple of ministries or the miracles that we've seen have been big miracles, but it hasn't been in the public square for everybody to see. And so now only if you take the water and the wine, only the servants saw that. Or if you take the nobleman's son, only the nobleman's servants saw the son get better. So Today, Jesus is marking himself as the Savior of our world. And this is where his official persecution begins. And may we never forget the price that Jesus paid to offer you and I hope today. So as we begin, my first point would be hope begins by positioning your life in a place to receive Jesus' mercy. If you want to find true hope in your life, you have to put yourself in a position to receive that from Jesus' mercy. Verses 1 through 5 say, After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda, in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed waiting for the moving of the water. Because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water, then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up recovered from whatever ailment they had. Now, I'm not going to go into a full-on biblical geography lesson, but I do want to show you a few pictures. I want to show you this, this first picture here. This is a picture of what the... Pool of Bethesda looks like today. You can actually go to Jerusalem. You can go and you can see the remains and you can see some of the colonnades that are there. And if I show you the next picture, 
which is an aerial shot going down. You can actually see the pool and where it's at. That's a literal place you can go to today and see that. And then uh, he talks in this passage about a sheet gate. Let me show you that. This is the actual sheet gate. You can go when Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. The first gate that he built was the sheep gate. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Because the sheep gate, it foreshadows something. It foreshadows the work that Jesus Christ is about to do. Because, do you know what the sheep gate was used for? It was used for sheep. And so what would happen is, is that the high priest would use the sheep gate... And that was the closest gate to the temple. And so the sheep would come in, and that's what they would use in their sacrificial services. The sheep would come in to be sacrificed. Do you see the significance between the sheep gate and the work that Jesus Christ was about to do? It's amazing. And did you know, of all the gates that were along the wall in Jerusalem, this gate was the only one to have no bars no locks, and no doors. Folks, access to Jesus Christ, access to salvation is unhindered and open to anyone that would choose to believe on him. John the Baptist said it this way in John one twenty nine. He says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, the door for finding hope, the door for finding mercy in Jesus Christ is open to everyone. It sets it apart as the gate to the temple. And so we see in verses 3 through 5, we see the hopelessness of the people at the pool. If you go back and you look at that, it said that there were folks that were sick. That they were paralyzed. And, and the thing that we find in the scriptures, I don't know if you know this, but every miracle, every teaching, every parable, everything that Jesus did had a purpose. So if we were to go back and look at these verses, we see that not only were these sick people literally sick people, they represent something. This whole miracle represents something And so what we see is that those people are sick, folks. We live in a world that is sick. Our world is sick with something called sin. We were talking in our Bible study class a few minutes ago. Why do bad things happen in this world? It's because, folks, we live in a fallen world filled with fallen people. We are sick. Our world is full of people that are blind to their own spiritual condition. Let me show you this verse. Proverbs 4.19 says it this way. There we go. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. People that are hostile to the Lord, people that where the Lord is not on their radar, they don't know why they keep falling because they are blind to that and they are sick. And not only uh, are people blind to their spiritual condition, It talks about the lame and the paralyzed in this passage. Well, all of us are unable to help ourselves forgive us of our own sin debt. That is not something in this self-help age that we can do. We cannot get ourselves out of that hole. But then John 6, 44 puts it this way. No one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
and I will raise him up on that last day. So we have people that were sick. And today we have people that are sick. We have people that were blind. We have people today that are blind spiritually. We have people that are lame and paralyzed. And then we have people who are waiting. Folks, we are all waiting for anticipation to see Jesus work in our lives. Everything is relative to those that were in the Old Testament. They were waiting for the Messiah. And many of those that were of the Jewish faith rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And they're still waiting. But there are a handful of remnant of people in the Old Testament that came into the New Testament. They believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They started a church. We can read about it in Acts. Called, it was a movement called The Way. And we are here today because of that movement. And just as the folks in the Bible were waiting for their Messiah... We wait. We wait for our returning Savior, our returning coming King. And He is not coming with a cross. He is coming with a sword on a white horse. And He's going to make true everything that He has said. We can have hope in that because here's the thing. Without Jesus, even the sincerest search for hope is ultimately hopeless. There are people in our world today, maybe even some of you, that you're cramming your lives filled with things. You have got more things in your garage and in your bank account than you even know. And if you were to have a garage sale, you could make even more money because there's stuff that you thought you had to have that you don't need anymore. Or you might, you know, you have your health, you have your education, you have your job. All of these things are good, but even at your best... Apart from Jesus Christ, it's hopeless. Because, folks, I've done a lot of funerals. And I've yet to see a U-Haul attached to a hearse make its way to heaven. Without Jesus Christ, we are hopeless, even by our most sincerest efforts. And so, don't be guilty of watching the water like these other folks in this passage were. Don't miss Jesus by fixing your eyes and your thoughts on the wrong things. I mean, when we get around the water cooler or we get on Facebook, we have no problem telling people what we believe about politics. We have no problem telling people about all these funny cat videos we saw. We have no problem talking about what team we're pulling for and all of these other things. We have no problem talking about these things that in the grand scheme of things do not matter. Folks, we as believers have the greatest source of hope out there. That is Jesus Christ. And we should share that message. Never lose sight of the fact that our world, just like the people in this passage, our world, the culture that we are in, Anderson, South Carolina, Holman Park, the community of Holman Park, and every other part of Anderson, they are just like the people in this passage. They are sitting around waiting for the water to move. They want to see something. They don't know that it's Jesus they're looking for, but they want to see something. The second thing that we see is that with Jesus, we go from hopeless to hopeful immediately. There was a man who approached a Little League baseball game one afternoon, and he asked the boy in the dugout what the score was. And the boy responded, well, it's 18 to nothing and we're behind. (laughs) 
I said, well, I, I bet you're pretty discouraged about that. And the little boy said, discouraged? We hadn't even got up the bat yet. <laughs> Folks, I tell you what, some days we can feel discouraged. Some days we can feel like it's 18 to nothing. But folks, we will get our at bat. And folks, the scriptures say that when our Savior, our King of Kings, and our Lord of Lords comes to the plate, He is going to knock it out every single time. Verses 5 through 9 say, One man was there, had been sick for 38 years. Can you imagine that? Some of you say, well, I have been sick for 38 years. But 38 years, this man was lame. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he had already been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to get well? Now, that was an odd thing for Jesus to say to that man. Do you want to get well? Verse 7 said, sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but I'm coming Someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your man and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. We live in a world that is filled with people that are looking for hope. And there are people that are being trampled on and overlooked. And maybe you have felt like that lame person, that you have been in a, a hurt state for a long time and you feel like everybody is taking advantage of you. But my friend, let me tell you what, Jesus stops and he asks you today, do you want to get well? Because Jesus has a purpose to each person he offers hope to. Of all the people that were there, why do you think Jesus chose this one man to heal? Well, it's because he was using it for an object lesson. See, to those that were religious and steeped in the Jewish faith, did you know that there is a significance for the man being sick for 38 years? The thing that Jesus was showing through this miracle is that the Israelites, who were once faithful to God, they were in the wilderness for two years until God gave them the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And then... For 38 more years, they wandered in the wilderness. 38 years for the Israelite. 38 years for this man. The Israelites wandered. And religious actions and the duties that the, the religious people had put stock in, and they, they tried to appease God's judgment by the things that they do, were falling short. Let me tell you, my friend, we, we may not have... Many Jewish people in here today and may not have any, or we might have a few. But let me let you know something. The Jewish people are not the only ones that think if you do the right things that you're okay. There was a day when it was believed if you play cards, you're going to hell. There was a day when it was believed if you watch moving pictures, you're going to go to hell. There were days when if you wear, not if women wear pants instead of dresses to church, they're going to hell. I mean, it was just all these different, don't wear a ball cap to church. Don't wear sandals to church. Don't do all of these things. And if you do all of these things right, and if you go to RAs and GAs and Sunbeams and Mission Friends and Act Teens and Awana, and if you're part of a men's discipleship group, and if you're part of the WMU, if you're doing all of these things and you are a Christian, none of that matters. None of that matters. What matters is what have you done with Jesus Christ? 
And then all of those other things, those places of serving, it's not from what you hope to gain out of it, but out of the overflow of your heart. The hardest mission field to ever penetrate and to ever reach out to is not the people overseas. It's not the streets of New York. It's the pews of Southern Baptist churches. Of people that have been steeped in religion and tradition and have no relationship with the Lord. And so what we see here is their religion was hopeless. And to those that were hopeless, what kept that man going for 38 years? What kept him hoping that one day that he would be the one to get into the pool of water? Let me ask you something. What keeps you going today? What water are you looking for to move? Because here's the thing. Every one of us in here, no matter what your age is, your hope will be challenged in some way. If not today, tomorrow. Because the world loves to eat your hope away. Because if they can take somebody that has hope and make them hopeless, they feel like, oh, now they're just like everybody else. But my friend, let me tell you what, if you are a Christian and you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord and He is the Lord of your life, you have hope and nobody can take it away. Not even the gates of hell can prevail over that. Everyone will be challenged on their hope for a daily basis. But there is always hope when Jesus is involved because God brings us to a place where His grace is our only hope. Let me tell you something. If you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, what did you do to earn that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What did this man in this parable do to earn this healing? Nothing. It was solely by God's grace and God's mercy that Jesus healed him. Jesus was asking, when he said, do you want to get well? I I told you a moment ago that that was an odd question. Why do you think it was odd to ask the man, do you want to get well? That's like asking somebody that's sunburned, do you want some, some aloe? That's like asking somebody that bruised their knee, do you want a Band-Aid? Duh. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? You think the guy said, uh, of course. What was Jesus really asking him? This is what he was asking him. Jesus knew he wanted to be healed. But he was asking the man, do you have the will to be healed? If I heal you, are you going to go through with this? Are you willing? Are you tired of after 38 years putting your hope in a pool and hoping that someone can push you down that pool in time enough and being walked over time and time again, are you willing to say, I've had enough, I can't do it on my own, and I need you, Jesus Christ, to heal me? That is the plight of man today. We live in a society, they don't want to be called sinners, they don't want to be told they're wrong, and they don't want to be told that they need help. And every, all three of those things go into direct contrast of God's will for your life. God doesn't put more on you than you can bear. That is a load of manure. God does put more on you than you can bear so that you will run to Him. 
And But there are so many people that say, I'm not sick, it's somebody else's problem. It's because of them that I'm this way. The greatest thing you could do today is take ownership of your part in the plan, ownership of your sin, and then you, like this man in this passage, will receive his healing. Do you have the will to be healed? We must take Jesus at his word. Then the third thing we see is that hope gives the motivation to share where we found it. Verses 9 through 12 say, Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to pick up your mat. He replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your mat and walk? They asked. So the big question here in in verses 9 through 12 is that who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The man healed Jesus was the man that brought the man who healed who is Jesus. He is the one that brought hope to the religious. Jesus was someone to question and be skeptical of. You might you might be skeptical today, might still be curious about who Jesus really is and if he's really who he says he is. If you're skeptical, that's okay. He's big enough for your concerns, and he'll wait to you until you wait for you until you're ready. But he's not promising you that his timeline is your timeline. Hope in Jesus Christ begins with boldness. I love the fact that the religious folks were looking at what Jesus did as far as the law goes. And they totally missed the blessing of it. Don't miss the blessing of Jesus' healing. And he gave the man a boldness, a boldness to sin no more. Let's read the last few verses and we'll be done. Verses 13 through 15 says, But the man who was cured did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So Jesus healed the man and the man didn't even know who did it. Jesus was secretive about it. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And from that moment, Jesus has a bullseye on his forehead. Isn't it interesting to note That nothing in this passage, nowhere does it give any evidence that the man who was healed ever became a believer. Isn't it amazing to think that this man was healed and very possibly he never pursued a relationship with Jesus Christ? As a matter of fact, the reason for his ailment could be the very reason is that he had sin in his life. Because it says in verse 14, go back and look at what it says. It says, he directs the man not to return to his sin. I have seen people, I know people, that they have sin in their lives and they do not want to let go of it. And it ends up taking its toll on their lives. But Jesus is telling this man to turn from his sin. He would not be the first person to receive a gift from Jesus Christ and miss the giver. Folks, don't miss the giver today. Your giver of hope, your redeemer, 
your Savior, Jesus Christ. Because the difference from being hopeful to hopeless is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I realize in a church like this, in a group like this, 99.9% of you at some point have prayed a prayer, ate the VBS cookies, drank the Kool-Aid, warmed the pews. Let me ask you something. If you are a believer today, remember the hope that you have in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't be like the man that was healed but took it for granted and missed a true blessing. And if you are here today and you feel like that man that has been walked over and has been looking at the wrong things for salvation and hope, you can know today that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. And you can go from living a hopeless life to hopeful life. And look, if, 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 you, if I say you have a hopeless life, that doesn't mean you have a bad life. There are a lot of people that live a life that where they say, hey, I got it pretty good. I got my health, I got my family, I got my money, I got all of these things. And I guarantee you this, whatever you have apart from Jesus Christ will only be better with Him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our service today. Thank you for what we've experienced and how you're working in lives and families. Lord, it's my prayer today that if there is one person here that wants to know you as Savior and Lord, they walked into this place today hopeless that they could leave hopeful in a relationship with you, with Jesus Christ, with your Son. And God, if there's someone here that would like to come to the altar and pray, or they'd like to rededicate their life, or just simply come talk to me and have prayer, We'll keep this open as long as it takes. But dear Heavenly Father, I just pray the Lord, if there is one person that needs to know you, they would not leave this place today without coming forward and asking to know you as their Savior and Lord. And they might be scared about walking in front of all these people, but there is not one person that would not be happy and joyous that today they decided to find hope in your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?